Uh, what did you have for breakfast today? I didn't have breakfast today. I was flying Jetstar, so <laughs> I was just I was about to deal with that. Intermittent um, fasting? No, I didn't actually. I had a uh, toasted croissant oh. with ham and to- no, no ham. They had no ham. Cheese and tomato it was, a toasted cheese and tomato croissant. It was okay. podcast is brought to you by Neural Media. Neural Media is an effortless and affordable content production service. We help businesses save time and money by taking away the pain of producing content. If you want to grow your audience through content production, head to neural.com slash media. That's N-E-U-R-A-L-L-E.com slash media. Create a quote and request a callback from me personally. If you want to learn more about the benefits of growing your audience, download our free series on how to create content at the bottom of neural.com slash media. Listeners to this podcast receive a special 10% discount by using the promo code UNCOMMON. Welcome to Uncommon, the podcast that helps you build your knowledge, skills, and mindset through interviews with unique individuals. My name is Jordan Michaelides, and I'm your host. In this episode, I have for you Isaac Butterfield, or the Buttsman, the Buttsman, as he's commonly known, who's a comedian and YouTuber well known for dissecting the culture through his satirical critiques of politics and ideology with a good dose of Aussie humor injected for comic relief. Isaac's tango with the project, whether it be offending Kiwis or defying the assumption that all men are evil, added rocket fuel to his already growing brand of no-holds-barred style of comedy. His YouTube videos are a brilliant source of fair and reasonable analysis that not many in the media or those in the culture wars are willing to partake in no matter their political leaning. Much like other comedians we've interviewed, like Neil Cole Hatkar, Josh Wade, Shane Hunter, and Friendly Geordies, Isaac is an important part of what we like to call the Bullshit Council, a group of individuals with varying political leanings, unique ideas, and a strong dose of scepticism to help you break down the noise. This was a brilliant chat that covered biases on both the left and right of politics, marketing to niches, fear and identity, dangerous views, relatable Aussie traits, why the buttsman, anxiety in dealing with epilepsy, tackling the mental health stigma and how he started or got into comedy. I think this would be a very enjoyable episode for anyone who's liked our previous chats on comedy, politics, or culture. So do share with one of your friends if you've liked one of those in the past, or subscribe on your app. If you want something similar, then check out Friendly Geordie's episode 63, where we spoke about the culture wars, politics, and media as well. If you want any of the notes to any of these episodes you're going to find out more just head to neural.com slash podcast that's n-e-u-r-a-l-l-e.com slash podcast as i say each week thank you so much for listening our regulars for coming back our newbies for giving us a shot i hope you'll enjoy this conversation with isaac butterfield isaac thanks for joining on this uh 
Well, it's a sunny day here in Melbourne, which is unusual. Who would have thought? I know. It's uh, springtime. Hay fever's coming. It's, it's going to be nice. fun. It's nice. We saw the riot squad out today. There's a big protest on just around the corner from here. I'm glad they don't know that I'm here. <laughs> so that would what be nice. That? Dude, that would be actually quite quite interesting if you were to do that like i would actually quite i'm just thinking about when i used to live back on spring street and we'd see the protest that would be quite funny to see you do like a stand-up show or like a just, bit or like just do an interview process i know a lot of the people like Stephen crowder do those type of things i know even alex oh. jones used to do those type of things they go in and interview people um did you see Stephen crowder's recent one with um the rape, rape culture does yeah. not exist. Change my mind. Oh, I saw the thumbnail for that and I was like... Oh I, I've started to think that a lot of this stuff just doesn't work anymore. I, I think the only way forward in that is like proper debates mediated by someone who is just not a personality on either side. Yeah. Or either or sphere. Yeah. yeah. Like a good example would be that where uh, Jordan Peterson, Stephen Fry and uh, I can't remember the 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 pastor's name or the the journalist you know the one i'm talking about in canada yeah. that was brilliant because that to me sort of really broke down and showed where each side is coming from yeah and, and that, uh, i think that's important to remember i was writing a video the other day about this song that this lady released and i don't know if i'll make the video or not but the song's about men being scared and how ridiculous and preposterous it is that men should be scared. And it's written from a female perspective about the problems that women face. And originally the way I looked at it, I was just like, oh, this is just whinging. And then, But then the longer I looked at it, I sort of realized that maybe it's not. Maybe it is somewhat. It depends who views it, who consumes it, mm. whether or not it's like just being this weird feminist sort of stuff or if they're being just genuine. What biases you have as well. Yeah, because it is. And I don't know anything about the lady, so how can I know what, what she's experienced? And it's just these things that you need to weigh up because it's so easy to fall into these, uh, you know, the left versus right, men versus mm. women sort of identity politics sort of situation. And I, and I don't want to do that. I don't want to be known as someone who's far right. I don't want to be known as anything like that. I just want to be known as me and I, the opinions I give are mine, not because of my political bias. I don't have a political bias, even though some people label me as... Well, I think I, I feel, feel like what you're getting onto is something that is... is There's a bit of angst with a lot of people who, who try and think rationally in the middle and are finding a lot of the ideas that they have worked out towards mm. are almost siding with elements of it, whether it's centre-right, I don't know. Yeah. But they find themselves siding with that side more than they are the left. And I just think that's the state of where things are at the moment. And I, I, I explain this to my brother, and this is my best way to explain it, is he's nearly 18 and he's into like, you know, the Chaguera, Gavera and all that type of stuff, you know. And as a lot of young people are. And How old he, is he? He's nearly 18. Okay. And he doesn't really understand the whole sort of situation behind, you know, that type of person, all that type of business. But anyway, he was like, you know, I'm on the left side of politics, he said about himself. And I said, I don't think you are because you agree with all the things that I say. He said, but, you know, I'm for gay marriage and I'm for all these type of things that would be considered left. I said, well, and I thought about it and I come back like two hours later, I said, what's it called? The bloody, uh, the spectrum of left and right, far left, far right, has moved. So now what would be considered left 10 years ago is now in the middle. Mm. And now that far left is like more far right the, op the you know the polar opposite it's this yeah. weird sort of situation where it's just not the same as it used to be yeah the middle has been squeezed the middle completely squeezed out yeah 
Um, and and uh, I mean, I just think that is related to it's sort of like in marketing when you focus on a niche and it's easier to market to a niche than it is to a general audience. Do, do you know what I mean? Like it's easier for you to articulate your brand in a certain way, the Butsman, and, and articulate that to a certain type of audience than it is to everyone. Yeah. And I feel like that is where politics has gone. It's it's like the form of marketing that we see now today where you've got niche-focused advertising or marketing to people and then you really hone in on them and their fears and their identity and all that sort of stuff. It's just like that. But that's, that's how I designed my career progression as well. Like when I first started making videos, I made them just about Newcastle mm. because the way I saw it was if I could make everyone in Newcastle like enjoy my content and follow me there, then okay, good. That's a good start and then expand out. And then I made a video about New South Wales and then I moved out to Australia and then I'm at the Australian point now where I need to take on further than that. Mm. Uh, and I think it's exactly what you're saying, that niche. And also, you know, the marketing to identity politics plays on fears rather than anything else. Mm. But fear is the most powerful form of persuasion. Well, it motiv- motivates people to, for, to action. Yeah. You've got fear, identity, uh, you know, high ground type maneuvers. This is this is the good thing about life, yada, yada, yada. And then it goes down and down and down. Because if you consume so much content on the internet, then you, are, you live in fear. Mm. And this fear that doesn't really exist. Like you could be extremely far right and I could be extremely far left and we could pass each other in the streets and no one's going to stab anyone. No one's going to scream into it. Well, maybe, I don't know. But genuinely, genuine, genuinely, Zach, genuinely, <laughs> if you, uh, it's been a, uh, I drove around Sydney yesterday for six hours. Jesus, I'm, I'm really? out of it. Yeah. Oh, my partner had a, uh, a, a training day and, uh, for work and I drove out to see my parents, my grandparents rather, who are like an hour and a half out of Sydney and then drove back and it was a two and a half hour drive back in because the traffic was terrible and then had to drive back to Newcastle, which normally takes two hours, took three wow. and a half, four hours. Anyway. I'm uh, and then I was on a Jetstar flight this morning with my knees up around me, me, me neck, and now I'm uh, trying to speak um, when I'm only halfway through a coffee. It's a great coffee, thank you very it's much. Good. It's uh, it's a great little coffee, uh, Bedgood and Co. around the corner. Shout out, love to, it to the betters. <laughs> my point is, you're not what you see. This action on the internet where everyone's at everyone's throat doesn't exist in real life. Yeah. Like there's a protest across the road, but you know, but they don't represent reality. No. This goes to my point about one of these major topics that you've covered. Like, I was just focusing in on it and, like, obviously you've been involved in some pretty uh, decent stashes. I think your uh, All Men Are Evil went to number one on trending. It did, on the uh, pro- th- three and a half days, Zach. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> Project uh, in New Zealand where they were very disingenuous, I felt. Um, and I just feel, I look at that, I look at these sort of spheres of influence, which is... I saw an interesting tweet the other day. It was like, uh, the left holds cultural influence, but the right holds political influence. And so you can sort of see how that pervades their life. So, you know, the left controls Twitter and TV and all that sort of stuff. But at the end of the day, like like Larry in Pakenham, who lives an hour and a half out of the city, doesn't really care. He just cares whether his electricity bill is going to be more or less next month because he's trying to save up because he's a little shithead kid wants to buy Call of Duty mm. for Christmas. Like, that's that's sort of the world I grew up in and I, I find it amu- amusing to observe it. You know, like, we, we have all these people who carry on about these certain things, but in reality, like, you know, 
life is easy. And you've said this in the past, right? Life is the easiest it's been. It's ever been. Because you're not worried about a tiger eating your baby. You're not worried about a bomb getting dropped on your head. Like if you went over to Syria right now and asked them, you know, what are your thoughts on, uh, on you know, is there, well, maybe rape culture is not a good one and I don't know over there. But like if you ask them thoughts, their thoughts on the pay gap or, or, or pouring bleach on men for man-spreading on trains, like they would tell you to get fucked. Like we're living in fear of our lives on a daily basis. We don't have time to worry about those type of trivial issues. Mm. But then you come over here and everything's happy and people are, you know, just living their life. And a lot of people, and, and I've experienced this as well, a lot of people don't have anything to do. Like they don't have a hobby. They don't have struggles. They don't have, well, not they have struggles, but they don't have something that they need to put their time into. They don't have to survive. They just have to, they wake up every day and they go, well, what am I going to do now? So they go on the internet and then they find something to be a part of. Once again, it's that religious ideology where they're like, okay, I need to be a part of this and it's going to be the left. I'm going to be a part of the left. I'm going to agree with everything the left says. And if the left says it, then I'm going to be a part of it. It's the same with the right as well. Mm. You know, the right say it. And I've been guilty of that as well. Of that as well. And, and I'm trying to be more conscious of that and more introspective with my, uh, my thoughts on things and make sure that I'm not just thinking them because people who I agree with in the past or have agreed with in the past rather – agree with that particular or take that political stance i want to be able to make that decision for myself with my own with, with with knowledge that i've formed my own opinion with and i think that's an important thing to do for people because people just jump on these boats for no reason right um i just like if you went over to that that park right now where people are having this protest and took down the the, the median and found out the median like average income all that type of stuff you'd find that most of them are young people most of them make you know either no money because they're at university or they make a pretty good income. You know, they're not these battled battle people, these people who no. are battling. Well, it's I've been having this debate with, um, with my mum about this recently because my sister's sort of started to identify with this stuff. Like, you know, a lot of these social causes are becoming part of her identity rather than things that are just causes that she supports. And um, I, I'm curious as to why that happens, you know, to someone because – we we didn't necessarily have a hard life. Like we grew up in sort of a lower middle class suburb, and my parents did pretty well. Like considering my dad was nearly bankrupt in ninety one, because in Victoria here we had a serious serious recession, and uh, to see where they came up and the life they gave us, and then to see her whinging about that is interesting. It's interesting to observe and see why someone falls into that. Well, it comes from that part of. Privilege. It's something that I talk about with white privilege or male privilege, all that type of stuff. If you're in a Western country, you are extremely privileged. Hmm. You're not dying. If you're not dying, then you, if you are waking up every day and you are breathing and you are not struggling to breathe, then you are privileged. And there are people more privileged than you. There are more people, more people, much more privileged than us. You know, every day, there's always someone that's more privileged than someone else. Hmm. And and I think that these people that act like they are just massive victims all the time are very rarely the actual victims. Mm. You know, like, and there are, and this is the thing you can't lose sight of, there are people that are treated horribly. Like when we talk about uh, like the, the idea with rape culture or the idea that 
all men are evil. We need to remember that there are women out there that have been greatly affected by the actions of horrible, horrible people that happen to be men. Mm. And if every single man in their life treated them like shit, well, they're going to fucking hate men. Yeah. And that's okay. It's understandable. But to portray that as like the, the, the status quo, the thought of everyone, the average thought of, of women is dangerous. It's bad for young men. It's bad for young boys too because they're growing up having this uh, war for some reason with women and that's not a good place to be yeah well there was that recent hashtag wasn't there there was the mum claiming that her son can no longer date women because it's too dangerous and and all that sort of stuff which i look i when it comes to this again all this political stuff i just don't think many people really give a shit no like if you go you know i had my 10-year reunion last night for high school no one really gives a shit about this stuff. Like maybe a small percentage who who are really politically motivated and driven, but most of them just want to talk about life yeah. and things that happened when we were eighteen. Because they look at it and they they go, "Oh, that's ridiculous," and they move on with their lives. But there is a certain population, and I guess I'm one of them because I find it interesting to see how people are reacting. Well, I guess. Well, you. I guess the job of a comedian, or at least the type of comedy you're doing, yeah, is allows comedy. people to observe reality as it is now and whether that's the right thing or the wrong thing i think that's you've got that in common with guys like josh and neil that we've interviewed in the past is observing what's going on politically because it does affect things maybe 10 years down the track i listen to your podcast with uh friendly geordies <laughs> jordan he is an intelligent human being he's very smart i i inquired about him recently to someone else i think it was to neil and i said what's his backstory because I want to meet him because I've never – I just – I've watched his videos for years. And he was telling me his, his education and all those type of things. I was like, Jesus Christ, he's got it all over me Yeah. as far as education-wise. <laughs> <laughs> but he's just a very interesting person and I like listening to his takes on a lot of things. And I think he's a very important person to have online. Have you spoken to him yet? No. Oh, we'll have to introduce the two of you. He's yeah. a really nice guy, very, very smart guy, very well thought out. We always riff on topics regularly. Yeah. Particularly when he puts out a video, we're always riffing on it. Mm. He sounds like a very interesting person. I always enjoy the way that he takes it because I have, you know, obviously I have opinions, everyone has opinions, but I have opinions on a topic and I see him take it a completely different way to a way I didn't even think about. Mm. And I thought, you know, and that's just really interesting from my point of view, particularly as a creator. I think, oh, where did you go with that? That's really interesting, you know? I love people like that because they make you realize how dumb you are, oh, you know, absolutely. And which is which is the most eye-opening thing and it sort of makes you anxious to do more and a lot of comedians they go oh i don't like traveling to the country or i don't like doing shows in this particular town or whatever but i like doing those shows i like doing the regional shows because the bogans are my people <laughs> right i'm like i like to think of myself as the missing link between the the uh the educator <laughs> the, the upper class if you will the 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 snooty people the bogons the bogons the, the snooty you know, the little moustache wearing, uh, turn your upper lip at people, uh, people and the, you know, too easy, mate, you know, there you go. <laughs> yeah, well, I think Josh was saying that in your last interview. Anyone can turn that on. I feel that's sort of one, that's a real egalitarian component of being Australian is you can turn on that, yeah, g'day, mate, how's it going? Yeah, you can really relate to anyone, whether it's a homeless man on the street or some billionaire who's rocking around in a jet. <laughs> you know, you can, that's one great thing about this country is, 
You know, there are wankers everywhere and in every class, but the, you can also talk to anyone in every class and it's not just seen as, you're not seen as a bad person. You can just get along with them. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I spit on homeless people, but <laughs> I, <laughs> I I think that's a quality thing about this country. What, um, uh, this brings me back to your upbringing and, and, and just getting to know you a bit more. I, I was curious, where does the name The Buttsman come from? Like, obviously, Butterfield, but why The Buttsman? Well, I mean, my nickname's Butts, and I used to have an Instagram name, The Butts Man. Okay. I used to, it started off as The Bearded Man, <laughs> and then I shaved my beard. Is this like sort of Bondi Hipster's Man? No, Is that no. how we're pronouncing no, it? No, no. It's, uh, it's to do with Daryl Broman, who's a ex-rugby league player, okay. and his uh, nickname is The Big Man. So I changed my Instagram name, this is like five years ago, to The Bearded Man, <laughs> and then it went to... The Buttsman when I shaved my beard and then I made a new Instagram and one of my mates, uh, Josh, he called me at football training one day. He started just calling me Buttsman. Mm. And then I th- when I had to come up with a new Instagram name for my YouTube channel, um, I thought, Happy Buttsman. days. Do that. And now people call me the Buttsman. How long have you been growing that beard? This beard, uh, three or four days? No. <laughs> um, I- I've had a beard and but- – probably for about six years now since I was about uh, 18. I've shaved it once, I think, but it's always been perpetually growing. Okay. Uh, sometimes I shave it or trim it, uh, but I've, I've, I don't like the way I look without a beard. I look like a little child. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm the same. I, I was actually, like I said, I was at that reunion the other day. I used to get told, like, because I've got a Greek background, so the hair grows really quick. Yep. I just got sick of shaving. Yep. Um, I remember one guy was like, dude, you were like, you had a beard at se- year seven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, um, and I could grow it out, but I just, mine starts to, like my dad is really dark, almost like Arabic looking. So he's from a place called Cyprus, which is right near Lebanon. Um, and uh, from our side of the family, when they have beards, it's really thick, but it doesn't suit me because I've got like blonde hair, blue eyes, like my mum. Yeah, okay. So when I grow the beard, it's, it's weird. It doesn't yeah. look right. Yeah, it looks I'm, like I should have like a blonde or fairer hair, you know. Just rock it. Who yeah. cares? One of my mates, Morgan, who's toured with me before, he um he recently just grew a beard, and it's like real short, like only like a centimeter, and he looks like a completely different person. <laughs> and he's like, you know, he's got a real baby face, and he grew this beard. I saw him the other night, and I was like, mate, you are just looking flash, <laughs> like he's walking around just like think he's king. And I, I think it's great. I think a beard can really compliment a person. Yeah. And people go, oh, you're just a hipster. Mate, I don't give a fuck. What do you think about me? Beards are great. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, there, there's a study done to show that um, on average, women find men more attractive a little with a little bit of stubble. I think it was. Yeah. So- and then with all this stubble, oh, <laughs> it's like the Yarra River in here. Don't worry about that. How's that for a local reference? <laughs> now, what's what's your earliest memory of your childhood? You grew up in Newcastle, yes. right? What's your earliest memory? Okay, so my earliest memory is, uh, and I, I actually use this example a lot. I'm not that I get asked this question a lot, but this is actually true. Uh, Christmas Day would have been probably 96, 95, 97 maybe. I was at my grandma's house and it was like this it's this brick Beautiful house. I, I went there recently. It was a, They sold it years ago. I went there recently. It was an open house and I had all these memories. It was really quite cool going back through it. It was like uh, one of those things you go, it's like going to an old school or something like that or an old house, I guess. And you walk around, you remember, you know, doing something here and something there. I used to sleep in that room. It was quite strange. And it was weird how small it was in comparison to how I remember how yeah. big it was. And the memory was I was, we used to have Christmas downstairs in the house and 
these old lounges sort of hanging around and uh i opened up my grand my my great grandma's uh rose chocolates <laughs> rose, that, chocolates. rose chocolates the roses chocolates yeah. that you get at christmas and i opened up hers and uh and then that's and you my, in trouble. Then I got in trouble, and that was my earliest memory. <laughs> Getting shit for stealing chocolates. Wow, it's funny actually. You mentioned that about things being bigger than they actually were. You know, I remember. I do remember having that sort of experience as well. Going back to my my grandmother and my great grandmother's uh, great grandparents' house. Same thing. It's really weird. But you, you're right. You it, like lots of memories. I remember like pinching uh, like wafer those wafer sticks. Yeah, yeah. Um, I can't remember what they're called, actually. But they're in those tins, the tall tins. I used to, like, run into the pantry and just, like, scoff three, nearly choke on it, and just, like, walk back out into the lounge room and pretend nothing's... Still with chips. I, I remember asking my dad once when, when I... I don't know how old would I... I'm going to say I was really young for this. But I remember asking my dad, I was in the shower, so, like, I would have been... Like, he was, like, you know, ch- showering me, so I would have been quite young. Probably about 16, 17. Uh, <laughs> I, said to, I said to my dad, I know I've never, I've never told this story to anyone, so this is going to be interesting, but who cares? My whole life's on the internet now. Um, I said to him, when's my penis going to grow, Dad? <laughs> <laughs> hey, when you get older, mate, when you get older, I can sort of remember looking down and just having nothing there and just going, oh, come on, one day. And uh, I look forward to that day. I really have do. You seen uh, Bi- have you seen Big Mouth on Netflix? No, I listened to uh, the, the gentleman who made that, Nick. Nick Kroll yeah, on Joe Rogan. Yeah, his podcast with Joe Rogan. Yeah. I was listening to on the plane. Dude, that is, uh, that is a funny fucking show. Is it? That is probably one of the best animations, like up there in the last couple of years with Rick and Morty. Okay, yeah. Uh, very, very good. Just brilliant. Just the way that they pull back a bit of nostalgia from your own teen years. Okay. I'll have to check it out because I was watching Paradise PD on Netflix. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, that cartoon. Yeah, yeah and yeah. that was that's that's not bad. It's really full on. It, it's it like, is, yeah. It's crazy. It's like, like the trailers, like this was, will offend, and it's just like it's crazy offensive. I love it. Yeah, but uh, I'll have to check out Big Mouth because I was listening. To, as I said, I was listening to that podcast today, so I'll probably check it it's, out. When it's I get very out. good. Like the way they do the voices, they got hormone monsters. Yeah. So um, they they articulate feelings through monsters. It's uh, it's very funny. Okay. Now. Going back to sort of your grandparents and your own upbringing, if you were to think about a lesson or a principle that you hold with you today, and it may have been something that they taught directly or indirectly, what is sort of the thing that you hold the most, do you think? I think probably one of them. Like, my dad taught me a lot. He was he was a professional athlete and ran uh, several businesses and was very successful with those businesses. And he taught me the value of, like, you know, just busting your ass as much as you can. Mm. Uh, I never had his professional, like his his professionalism when it came to sport. But uh, I think when it came to working on something that I really felt was was mine, I had. You know, he was the sort of dude that if he had to paint a house, he would do it in a weekend yeah. rather than doing it over like. You know, a lot of people who they, when they do like renovations and stuff now, they'll do it over six months. He would like sit down and he would do 48 hours of work to get it done. He's just one of those old school sort of dudes. Right, reminds me of my dad. Yeah, he just, just that sort of generation born in like the mid 60s and, you know, he's, he just bust his ass to get stuff done. My grandma always told me that uh, never to talk about politics or religion. <laughs> Well, I and guess I, that didn't stick, did it? <laughs> I think that that's actually probably one of the most uh, 
influential things anyone ever said to me because I completely disagree, Gran. And I love my Gran. Uh, and she is, she's one did of those. She, did she know what you do? Yeah, yeah. She's, she came to my show in Newcastle. And Gran's mm. one of the funniest fuckers I've ever met. She swears and she's, uh, she's, uh, she's, she's a beautiful lady. Like, she's just really, really nice. And um, my pop, he's, he's like a joker. But my, my Gran always said to me that I was exactly like her dad. Okay. Like the way I joke about everything was a joke and every, every opportunity was a joke and Pop's the same. I remember Pop saying once, uh, Gran opened the fridge at, at her house and she goes, oh, something was missing in the fridge or whatever. And she goes, oh, Jesus Christ. And Pop, like without missing a beat, would go, is he in there? <laughs> like just a joke, just a stupid throwaway joke like that. And that sort of like Pop introduced me to Billy Conley and then introduced me to the Glass House, which used to be on Friday nights. On the ABC, I think, or SBS. Yeah, it was ABC, with, I think. With Will Anderson, yeah. Corinne Grant and Dave Hughes. Yeah. And that was my introduction to stand-up, introduction rather to stand-up. Uh, they they were very influential. My mum was influential. Everyone was influential. I think that just moulded me into the person that you are, that I am. And it, it's funny, like, you, you don't really look at yourself as that type of person. Mm. Like, I think that's something that people probably should do because you never like, for example, like, how old are you? Uh, 27. 27. Oh, 28, sorry. 28. So, yep. I'm, I'm 25. We're adults. Mm-hmm. But you never really look at yourself as an adult. You still feel as like you just said you went to your high school reunion. You still mm-hmm. feel like you finished high school No, not too long ago. Recently, yeah. Right. Uh, and I think it's the same when you go, oh, what life lessons have you learned? Until you are introspective enough to look at those things and go, okay, I've learned this or I've learned that. You don't really think about it because you're just, you're just on these train tracks just going – we were in Melbourne, on these tram tracks just going <laughs> straight forward all the time. Yeah. You never really stop and look at those things. And that's something I look forward to doing more of. Yeah. Because I've been on this tour now for six months almost or four and a half months, five months. And it's been so quick. We've done nearly th- – this is 37th, the 37th show. Fuck. Yeah. All over the country. Well, Zach's just fucking introduced himself to the podcast apparently. <laughs> oh, Zach. Tour manager Zach. He's, what do you want? <laughs> I love carrying on like a prima donna before shows just to embarrass Zach. Like I'm not. I don't carry on at all, at all. I'm, I'm a cruisy. I don't give a shit what's going on. But sometimes I just like to make a bit of a dick of myself in front of Zach just to make him feel bad. It's just a bit of fun. I've only carried on at one show. Can I talk about that? Of course I can fucking talk about that. Um, I don't have to ask. <laughs> there was, I don't know if you want to hear about it. It's, mm-hmm. a, it's a good story. So I was I the, the only show I carried on at this year, and I'm not a prima donna. I don't whinge or moan. I performed in the most... Beautiful venues and the worst all over the country, right? And the only, like, I've had terrible lighting at one show. One show I had a light like on the floor in my eyes the entire Ooh, show. Couldn't shit. see a thing. It was blind. I did the show and Fuck. then I just bitched and moaned the next day. <laughs> well, they couldn't just like turn it maybe? Just, no, like, they, they, had, they had spotlights on the ground. So like when you're on a, when you're on a stage, if you've never been on a stage, you've got the lighting at the top. You can only see a little bit. You can see the front row of a crowd. I know. It's tough. It's yeah. tough. But if you've got them underneath you, you can't see a thing. Like you're literally looking – like imagine like getting your lamp next to your house – next to your bed rather in your house and just looking into it. That's all you're seeing. So you're blinded. You've got the – The heat. The heat, everything. It's terrible. And anyway, I didn't whinge about that. But the one thing I whinged about was we went to Tookley. And Tookley's on the central coast. Yeah, I'm talking about fucking Tookley, Zach. Tookley. Tookley Gate. Okay. <laughs> Tookley Gate. Now, my friend who will not be named, but let's call him Matt. Because that's his name. He was, the, he was tour managing it and he was organising it because it was his venue. 
uh, and we won't call, we won't name the venue, but it's in Tuklu. Uh He, uh, so he organised the whole show, and we turned up at Tuklu. And Tuklu is like a half an hour from my house, so it's not nice okay. and close. And we drove down there, and I said to the venue, they're, they're fucking me around with the sound, and there's no, there's no. Uh, batteries in the microphone and all this type of shit. I'm like, okay, whatever, that's cool, whatever. And then the lighting's okay. I was like, can we dim it down a little bit just to make it, you know, a bit darker in the back of the room, all that type of shit. Oh, all right. And they're getting the shit to me. I'm like, mate, this is what a sound check's for, right? And then I said, can we get a couple of couple of beers for backstage? Like, I'm driving, I'm only going to have one maybe on stage. And he's like, mate, that wasn't in the rider. I was like, okay, whatever. Cool, man. And then... I was like, oh, how, about a, how about a little meal for everyone backstage, you know? You know, we're bringing 300 people in your venue. Maybe you could throw us a bit of a feed. No, nah, mate, it wasn't the rider. And they just walked away. I was like, and wow. then, uh, you know, for, many, for most people listening to this, they go, so fucking what? Not for me. I cracked the shits <laughs> for no reason. And I just think it was because I was just used to people just like, because I used to work in pubs and if you have an act, you just look after them because they're going to come back, right? And they're going to bring people in. So you throw them a couple of beers or whatever. Yeah, a you beer. just comp a few. Like, yeah. fuck, how many things do you comp a night? Yeah, a beer costs you nothing. Just yeah. throw the, the dude a beer. And he's like, no. Nah. And then the... And then the um, the bar staff were like rude to my partner because they're like, oh, you fucking... That Butterfield thinks he's a fucking king shit, all this type of stuff. So I... You know, I, I took it in my stride, and when I was on stage, I, uh, I, <laughs> the someone in the crowd, I finished my beer, and the crowd goes, "Oh, get another beer!" And I was like, "No, nah, this venue can get fucked. <laughs> I think, fuck, I'm never coming back here. Piece of shit, all this tough stuff, just carrying like a complete pork chop for no reason. <laughs> it was ridiculous." And how did the crowd react to that? Oh, I loved it. They were cheering. We're never coming back here. <laughs> <laughs> but so, it's weird though that he would do that. It's a bit odd. Oh, that's but that's the thing. I was just like, all right, dude. Yeah. Like, you could just say, just say, yeah, no, no worries or whatever. Like that's just what I would have done. But anyway, I think the reason it pissed me off was because he thought that I thought that I was better than I am, hmm. and I don't think I'm good at all. I just think I'm just me. I just I was just like, yeah, just a six pack, you know, whatever. I don't care. I wasn't even going to drink. It was for everyone else that was there. Yeah. And uh, you know. You had to be there. It's one of those sort of situations. <laughs> and uh, anyway, I got an email that next week saying Isaac's not welcome back at the venue ever again. So, uh, Tukli RSL, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. Uh, going back to your point, though, about being introspective. and uh, Failed to do that that night. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Well, I find it interesting. I mean, I want to ask you later about journaling and whether you do that or not. But it got me to watching one of your recent videos and you spoke about the mental health component. So, I think uh, we, we can get into the nuts and bolts of it, but essentially you developed anxiety, very similar to me, sort of a peak of your life, things are going well. It actually happened to me in a car as well. Okay. Um, I, this is when I was like 22. I just finished uni. I was like gearing up to go travel Europe for six to seven months and all of a sudden I had this full-blown panic attack that made me think that I was having a heart attack. Mm -hmm. And uh, the last year, I've had really bad health anxiety. Um, similar thing, just like constant Googling. I've got the answer. The doctors don't know what they're talking about. Yada, yada, yada. <laughs> As I put my phone away from me because that's all I've wanted to do today is Google. It's fucking ridiculous. It's, it's terrible. And um, I just found it really interesting hearing you say that. And I'm just curious as to maybe you could give the audience an explainer on what happened and yeah. what you've done to sort of deal with it since then? Well, anxiety is an interesting one because 
there's people in my life who have anxiety mm-hmm. and have had anxiety. And it's one of those things where someone says, and Zach, who's sitting next to me, my tour manager, you've had it as well. And it's one of those things where you say to people, you know, oh, I'm feeling quite anxious or I'm an anxious person. You just say, it's okay, just calm down. Yeah. And that's what I used to say to people. Now, when people say I'm anxious, you know, it's a completely different reaction because I know what it is. And anxiety for people who have never had it, it's not just feeling nervous. It's this fear state that your body installs. It's like, you know, when you change like a screensaver on your computer and Mm. it's a whole new look. Yeah. That's what anxiety is. (laughs) It changes your look. You don't feel the same. You aren't the same person. Your mind, your decision-making skills, they go out the window and this reptilian brain that is designed to keep you alive takes over. Yeah, everything rational becomes irrational. Absolutely. You think, what if I can't deal with this anymore? What if my life changes? What if all these type of things, all these ridiculous thoughts that when you don't have it, you don't have it. Mm. It doesn't exist. These thoughts don't happen. And that's why when you aren't feeling anxious, it's important to look at yourself and go, okay, this is me. This is normal me. This is not anxious me. This is not freaking out me. Your life's good, mate. Yeah. You know. So I I developed uh, epilepsy. Yeah. Uh, well, it's not epilepsy. It is epilepsy. It's somewhere in the middle. It's easier to say epilepsy. Yeah. Uh, where I lose control of my head and my head turns uh, to the left and I, I go blind in one eye. Really? Yeah. This, this happened uh, when I was about 19 years old and it happened a few more times. It happened when I was playing footy, all those type of things. I'd get tackled and the, the sudden movement would trigger it. Huh. Very embarrassing. And it happened one day when I was uh, just running water for the local team. Uh, it was after I retired because of it. No, because I just hated it. I was I, I was hung up on it and I, it happened and it was very embarrassing and all that type of stuff and people were like, what the fuck's going on there? Anyway, a couple of weeks later, I had this weird tension in my neck and I was starting to worry about, oh, no, is this the, the epilepsy coming back through? Yeah. And then, boom, it was not an epileptic attack. It was a panic attack. Yeah. Uh, which have actually, which is really weird because epilepsy and anxiety are quite similar. Hmm. apparently, the similar parts of the brain. And uh, so they mirror each other's. So I wasn't having an epileptic attack. My head wasn't turning, but my, my brain sort of had this big rush of adrenaline. It's like, oh, my God, this is happening. And it was a panic attack. So I sat in the car for about 20 minutes and sort of to calm down and eventually got home and then went to bed and it was all cool. Was it just like you, your heart was beating real fast, couldn't breathe? Or? No, it, it was similar to that. Like it was like really shallow breathing. <laughs> it was extreme tension throughout my neck in the middle of my neck, yeah. across my back. And that's what I have the most of. That's my main symptom Same. of anxiety. Yeah, I, I get it real bad in my shoulders. Yeah, yeah. in there. And there's, no, and there's no manner of stretching that gets rid of it. It just sort of turns up and only when you stop thinking about it, it goes away. Yeah. That's what I found anyway. And uh, so that and a little weird and fuzzy in the head, that type of thing, and you feel quite hot and flush in the face. They were my sort of anxiety, my panic attack symptoms. Happened again in the movies a couple of weeks later. That was the... Uh, it was weird. It was. I, I walked up the stairs. I went to the toilet halfway through, and walked back up the stairs. And I noticed my heart beating really fast. And I was like, "What the? F- I'm sitting in a bloody movie theater. Why is my heart beating fast?" And then we got faster and faster. And I was like, "Oh my god, panic attack!" Huh. I was talking to my doctor about it when it first started happening. He said, "Mate, I had it one night. I thought I was having a stroke." I'm a doctor. I know what symptoms of strokes are. And I was like, oh, no. I was like, oh, fuck. What am I going to do? This is a stroke. I'm having a stroke. Oh my god. And it was just anxiety. It was, it was a panic attack rather. Anyway, so I was coming home from a gig from Maitland, which is two hours, or an hour, three and a half from Newcastle, driving back where I live. And I started to feel those same symptoms. And then the next day I woke up and they were still there. 
I was like, okay, this is new. And then they've been there ever since. Mm. So after a couple of weeks, I sort of started to obsess over it. I was trying to figure out what's wrong. So at the start, it was the tension, right? So something was wrong with my neck. That's what I convinced myself. So I'd Google all day. And then the job I was working at the time was, I was a, it was a caring job. And so I had opportunities to Google all the time. So I'd just Google and I was just like, oh, what's this? Okay, let's try and figure that. So I changed, I changed my pillow. And then I went back to the chiropractor. And then I was getting massages and then I was at the acupuncturist and then I was, I got an MRI on my spine, even though the doctor said, mate, it's anxiety, but we'll get an MRI just, just to check just it. It sounds like health anxiety, exactly what yeah. I had. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, uh, and it, so it snowballed and it was this obsession. It was this OCD that I developed from it, which was really strange and completely out of context for me. It's not out of context, but out of, out of sorts for me, I thought until I went to a psychologist, I eventually went to a psychologist because I was just so uh, frustrated. And that's the biggest thing with my anxiety. It becomes a frustration because I just can't shake it. Yeah. Uh, and I went to a psychologist and I told her about my life and it turns out that I'd had it before. I had two terms off school when I was in year nine because every morning I'd wake up and I'd feel like I was going to throw up. And then when I didn't go to school, I was fine. Yeah. So- I, I remember I used to vomit. I, I did rowing at high school for a few years and I used to vomit before every single race. Yeah. I remember... Uh, Having a same, the same feeling before playing like uh, contact, like ball sports and stuff like that. Even though I loved it, I'd feel like I was going to vomit. Yeah. And uh, oh, like I'd really, I'd constantly need to pee. Yeah. Like go to the bathroom. It was really strange. Yeah. And this, I had two terms off school. And through that- Two whole two terms. Two terms. Every morning, I like physically ill. Like I, I never threw up, but I was like, you know that moment where you're like, your guts are- ch- like, It's, it's yeah. the moment before your mouth like goes cotton turning. mouth, all that type of shit. And every morning when I walked to the bus stop, I'd be like, oh, I go back inside. And so I went to the doctors. This is year nine. Okay. I used to be a pretty good math student and this fucked my maths up because um, I just like missed everything. Uh, you know, two terms, obviously a long time. Um, went to the doctors and the doctor gave me uh, Nexium, which is like a uh, reflux. for reflux because yeah. he thought it was that. I then ended do you, up- Do you get, get reflux? Nah. No. Okay. And then I then ended up getting a colonoscopy and a one through the throat as well. So I had tubes going in my ass and mouth, different tubes, I hope. <laughs> uh, <laughs> my dad always makes that joke. Yeah, it's a great joke. <laughs> and even the even the, the proctologist or whoever did the fucking surgery made that joke. The different tubes, don't worry, mate, it'll be fine. <laughs> the we'll brush your teeth when you wake up. <laughs> um, I had that. I had like these tests. I went in for surgery when all it was was anxiety yeah. which is a horrible thing to happen to people anxiety but you don't need to be putting tubes in people's asses you yeah. know but this was in 2008 when this wasn't people didn't really talk about this yeah so and then five years later i was obsessing over having headaches okay so for a whole year i'd obsess about having a headache and, and then i'd a have headache. a headache <laughs> every day <Yeah>. ridiculous <laughs> and then now it's manifested itself in this. Yeah. So it turns out I've had this for some time. When I was a kid, if my mum was five minutes late for picking me up from school, she's yeah. dead. Yeah, I, I used to think that like, I, it's just that, yeah, depending on your personality trait, you, you may be more, more worrisome than others. Yeah. And I think um, but if you're brought up in a family where you're not really taught how to deal with it, like all my me and my two other siblings have it mm. in, for different reasons. Mm. Um obviously dealt with it but mine this year has been horrendous yeah. like i've i have like permanent uh so i had this issue where i had like gut issues as well and um basically 
fix it up. This like found that these issues had been permeating for like four years and they hadn't been dealt with. All of last year, terrible, terrible symptoms. I'm now starting to realize most of the symptoms were anxiety mm. because I'm trying to worry and find out what it is and yada, yada, yada. Seeing this GP who specializes in this area and who's largely fixed it off based off the tests that we've been able to do. And he started to speak to me about this thing called visceral hypersensitivity. It's like a form of anxiety because you've had chronic things going on that you feel everything. Yeah. Like my issue now is like issues with swallowing, particularly swallowing pills. I've got this irrational fear of like choking on a pill mm. uh it's just stupid because i'm swallowing capsules and stuff and they're not like horse tranquilizer pill but i never used to have it is yeah. the point and yeah. uh but your body does become hypersensitive so i get a little bit of tension in my back and it's the biggest thing in the world yeah or i have uh i get a little bit dizzy and oh my god i'm dying or yeah. you, you we had it today we're in the car park and a car was reversing when we were standing still and Zach was like, oh, I freaked out a little bit because, you know, you get that weird sort of reaction where you think you're moving, but you're not. And I have that if uh, you know, if I'm doing the same situation. And for the next two minutes, I'm like, oh, my God, I'm a bit freaked out about it, a bit spaced out about it, and I worry about it yeah. for no reason. Yeah. The thing about anxiety is, is it's fucking stupid, <laughs> but you can't shake it, right? So this is the thing. And I don't know if you have it every day, but I have it every day at the moment. At some point, it will get better. Oh, yeah, I have, it, I have it nearly every hour. Yeah. 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 It's, it's terrible, but... The thing that I've, you learn, obviously you've been to a psych, I've been to a psych. Yeah. Uh, you learn things like CBT and uh, the biggest thing they've got me doing now is attention, uh, not attention therapy, but attention training. Yeah. I've realized I've become too jumpy from situation to situation and that makes it worse. Mm. Um, and, uh, you know, having the ability to move my attention because you get anxiety, you focus on this symptom, then you jump to that symptom or you get really intensely on like your throat yep. and you just tense up your throat. Like I saw an ENT the other day. He's like, yeah, you've got globus pharyngeus or whatever it is. It's like basically anxiety. Yeah. You know, but he's, he reckons like 40% of his patients have this. Wow. Yeah. I, I'm a big believer that and I said this in the video that I made. I know we're jumping around the topic, but uh, we'll get there in the end. <laughs> the video that I made, I, I, I honestly think that every single person in the world, or particularly the Western world, probably everywhere in the world, at some point in their lives, now or before or in the future, will have some form of mental health problems, mm. whether it's anxiety. And I think anxiety is probably the most – because everyone gets depressed. Not everyone has depression. I've never had depression. I know a lot of people have depression. And that's that's another tough one because I've never had that, so it's hard for me to relate to it. Mm. But with anxiety particularly, I think everyone has it and will have it, has had it, currently has it. Because you just, it's just this sort of thing that people are doing, you know, because they don't have, you know, they're, they're struggling to find a purpose or they're, they're, not, they're, not mentally, they're not physically active, they're not mentally active, they're not finding these things, they're seeing other things on, and like, you know, social media plays a part mm. because you see people being successful or they're out, you know, doing all these things, they're advertising it, whether or not that has, that has something to do with it or they're consuming too many carbs or not enough carbs or too, there's a whole variety of different reasons that people yeah. are doing it. But you look at me. I'm the most successful I've ever been. I'm making the most money I've ever made. I'm traveling Australia. I'm on top of the world. I've got a beautiful relationship. I've got an amazing dog. Go follow her at Lady Rose the Grey. <laughs> <laughs> but it's the weirdest time of my life. Yeah. And it's so strange. Yeah. it's it's. I, I, I almost 100% agree. And I think it is circumstantial to our current lifestyles. And uh, I do think things like phones play a major part. Yeah. I think- um, Googling. Food. Googling is another one. Yeah. As you said. 
man, I when I obsessed over my anxiety, if you have it there and you're Googling constantly, it is the worst thing you can do. Mm. And I'm cons- I'm now, like my psych said to me, mate, stop Googling. <laughs> and I was leaving the other day. She goes, don't Google. I was like, I know. She said, no, don't Google. Yeah, this, this Googling thing is what my fucking partner taught me. She taught me how to be an anxious wreck over the internet. Yeah, because <laughs> that's what you do. You go, oh, I'm... Maybe I'll try this or maybe I, I'll try that. I'll fix it. Yeah, I never thought about Googling. I just don't do it now because I know that it's just an endless minefield. It's a void. Of, yeah. And it goes on forever and there is no end to it. And there's no answer to what you're trying to achieve. Like the answer to anxiety comes from within yourself. Yeah. How, how much have you thought about medication? Like for, for me, for example, I've been, I've discussed with my GP briefly. He's really good. Cause I remember when I first had anxiety when I was like 21 and I dealt with it, yep. my GP said to me straight away, Oh, you want some, like, you know, you want some uh, antidepressants or whatever. I said, no, I'm going to go deal with it. Learn CBT, all that sort of stuff. Current GP, he's like, well, there's a way because of your gut issues, there's a way of sort of knocking you out by giving you a low dose that affects your central nervous system as opposed to like being an SSRI or those standard antidepressants. I'm curious as to what consideration you're given to to medication or do you feel like it's not at that point yet? I, I, uh, I think it's important for people to, to weigh up all the options. Mm. If you think that meds are going to help you, then do it. Mm. I mean, that's the proven standard. I think you need to be, before you try medication, you need to be... I do stand, uh, uh, sensory deprivation tanks mm-hmm. for meditation, which I found very helpful up until recently where I couldn't sort of switch off. How often? I was doing uh, once a week or twice a week. Okay. Uh, I'd do it every day if I could. But then then I, after a while, I'd get in the tank and I just couldn't switch off and I'd be looking at the clock and it was the longest hour of my life. <laughs> uh, you need to be exercising. Yeah. You need to be training the fucking house down. Man, one of the best things I've done is running. And running for long periods of time. And it's only just recently, like over the last like four weeks, I've just been running a lot. Hmm. It's hard to run when you're on tour, but you should be. You should be running all the time. Yeah. And it's just that that runner's high. This I think Joe Rogan even says it sometimes, like that anxiety that it, sometimes it can just be this built up of energy. Hmm. And it can be that because you're designed to move. And hmm. if you're not moving, if, you sta- if, if like most of us, we are stationary for the majority of the day, or even if you go to the gym and you're just lifting weights, like lifting weights is great and it can relieve like muscle tension and all that type of stuff and the tension you've built over the day. But there's something about that aerobic exercise that is going out and running and not just running around a field, but going and running through the bush if you can. Man, near my house, there's this beautiful track and you run through this old tunnel that is a railway tunnel. And I used to ride my bike there and it used to be sealed off back when I was a kid. And you ride, we run along there and you run through it and it's got all this history through it and you can see like you know, the the old little the places that people would go and stand if there was a train coming through so you could, you know, not get hit by the train, that type of thing. And there's something, it's this 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 meditation that is controlled breathing, it's movement, it's a, it's a mental fight between you, uh, your physical body and your mental body to get through whatever you're trying to get through right now, which is this run. That's the most, because being with anxiety, it's very difficult to be present in the moment mm. but when you're running you have no other choice to be pre- to be present yeah because the, the what you want to do you want to give up but you know because your body's saying oh, i'm tired i can't do this anymore but you know that you could go on for the rest of the day if you had to like if you had a really slow line chasing you you could run forever 
Like if it had to be pretty slow, but <laughs> or if you're running away from lava, like you could run forever yeah. if you needed to. Like you would, it would take you a long time to give up. I think the conversation we're having about uh, mental health is very important mm. because even for me sitting here, hearing that you have issues with anxiety makes me feel better. Oh, dude, I've got intense issues. I, yeah. I at the moment I'm in like a pit of yeah. intense issues where I can't even eat most. I eat mostly non-solid food at the moment. That's how bad it's gotten. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty bad. Like, I, and I know why it is. It's because of the things that I've had. But there's no genuine reason. Like, no. for example, I get a symptom like fogginess, my throat really like just that constricted, sore feeling here. I can do, you know, the breathing technique. I don't know if you've sighted with, the, to nose. The, with yeah. the nose. I do that. Symptoms go away immediately. Wow. But they start to come back yeah. or they start to be triggered. And, and I, I, I know like the levels of things that will trigger it. Like hot food will trigger it more. Uh, food that's firmer or like sharper. So if I eat chips yeah. versus, uh, I don't know, just some potato, normal potato, totally different. So it's just, it's this fucked up thing. That's, Isn't that ridiculous? It's stupid, man. Yeah. And... Um, I don't know. It's just that's why I've considered things like this low dose medication that he's talking yeah. about because uh, it's frustrating. But Man, you're right. It, be, here's the thing with medication, and Jordan Peterson said this. Yeah, he was talking about depression, but it's, it sort of relates to the same sort of situation. Sometimes you can have everything in order in your life, and you just have this issue. Mm. And if you have to go on an SSRI, then try it for a month. Yeah, you'll know the answer. You know, sometimes it just helps. Mm. Other times it doesn't and you have to find another answer, yeah. you know. And uh, that's what people don't want to say. They don't want to say try that medication. But for whatever reason, it is rife throughout the community in Australia. It is fucking rife and it is bad and it is killing people on a daily basis. And there, and there is a lot of people around that don't have the support networks that you, I or yourself have, Yeah, you know. They don't have a doctor they can go to. They don't have a girlfriend, a partner, or a housemate <laughs> <laughs> they can go to and they can that can be there for support or let them know that what's going on is okay or they don't have someone on the internet they can look to for guidance or they can't listen to a podcast and someone is going through the same thing. They think they're alone. They think they're going crazy and they end up doing something they regret mm. or they get... And by regret, I don't just mean killing themselves. I'm talking about getting hooked on drugs or, or being alcoholics or taking up whatever or covering themselves in something. that A lot of people, this is my thoughts, like a lot of people who are just, take for tattoos, for example. A lot of people have tattoos because they love tattoos. Mm. A lot of people have tattoos covered in tattoos because they're trying to fight off this other problem in their life. Mm. It's the same with shopping. A lot of people love shopping, but a lot of people do shopping because it takes away from what's going on in their head. Yeah. It sort of removes them from the... Re it's like yeah. in a form of escapism. It's it's an addiction. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not saying that people, everyone tattoos has a fucking addiction. Some people just like tattoos. So that's fine. Yeah. But like it's with me, it's Googling. With you, same thing sort of thing, you know? Yeah. Well, Googling um, and like trying to, you know, it's... um. What am I site call it? It's like a... Shit. It's like a where you're you're finding it's reassurances, getting reassurances from things. But I've dude, I've I reckon I've spent on average three to four hundred dollars a month minimum on medical bills every month for the last eighteen months. Wow. Um yeah. It's yeah. it's it's fucked because it just you're trying to find the, an you're trying the to find answer, the cure. The cure. The silver you bullet. need the yeah. cure. And the cure, the silver bullet, as you say, comes from within yourself. Yeah. And that's what I've learned over the last couple of months. Is, is money doesn't make you happy. Success doesn't make you happy. 
your happiness comes very much from within yourself. And I know everyone hears that as a kid or growing up, but that is so true mm. because you can be, and you see it in Hollywood, people are rich, powerful, famous, and they're sad. Yeah, and they commit suicide. And they do. Yeah. And it's horrible. But they, they, honestly, you just need to find that thing within yourself. And I haven't found it yet, mm. but I'm confident that I will. Yeah. At some point. I think having that confidence is crucial. Like, just having the expectation, I guess. Yeah. And uh, a lot of... I found it interesting that you came out and, and said it because I, I just think, like, a lot of guys, you know, it's going to be easy for guys in Melbourne because we're all prancing around and we're all a bit, you know, but up on places like the Sunny Coast and Newcastle. They don't do it. And yeah. that's why I made it. Because one of the comments, and it rang home to me, and I read the comments on that video. I don't normally read comments because it's usually full of fucking retards. Yeah. Shouldn't use that word, but I just did. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and the, the, the dude said, it's it's amazing. I've, I've seen this on TV. I've seen all these other people talk about mental health, but for someone who I think I could have a beer with to say it, it changes the game. Mm. And that was that... Another person messaged me and said, I, I went to my GP today and I'm booked in for two weeks to go and Saw see that. like, yeah. That's massive. Because yeah. I didn't want to make that video. I did, but I didn't. And I weighed it up and I thought, fuck it. If this helps some people, then this is a good thing to do. Mm. And the thing about psychologists is when I went to go see it for the first time, I thought oh, this was just the lowest point of my life. I must be an idiot, you know. But people, everyone should go. Yeah, just every go. now and then. Just yeah. go. Just to go vent. Go and vent. Go and talk about your problems. Don't bottle them up. Because this is what people do. They bottle them up for their entire lives and they, they retire and then they're just a mess. Yeah, I remember I... It's funny you mentioned that because I saw this psych... Uh, I saw a psych originally in 2012 when I first had these issues. And then like maybe 2014, I, I went and saw the current one I see and I, I thought, you know what, I'll, just, I'll see her every six months or something, something like that. And uh, I just stopped. And I wonder how much that played into it. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Uh, it's People see it as, as a weakness and you need to – everyone needs to understand that they're weak mm. and just accept that. Accept you're human and you have weaknesses. It doesn't matter how many – you know, how tall you are, how big your fucking beard is, how many beers you can drink, you are a weak person somewhere within your life and it's okay. That's okay to be weak. You know, you don't have to be tough all the time. You don't have to be this warrior all the time. Everyone, no matter whether they've gone to war or they're a footballer or they're a comedian or they're just a regular Joe who's whatever, whatever people do. Mm. Whatever people do. <laughs> <laughs> whatever you normal peasants do. <laughs> now, I want to jump to, because we're running out of time, I want to jump to uh, comedy craft. And okay. I'm curious as to now you were a YouTuber first. No, would you say? No, not at all. No, I'm not one of these internet types. Although uh, I am. <laughs> um, I, I think the whole people used to be like, "Oh, he's just an internet comedian." Yeah, damn right, I'm an internet comedian. It gives a shit. Just on that, the thing that I've learned from interviewing all these comedians is a comedian now is a an artist. Let's call it who works over many different mediums. Yeah. And if you're not online, you're an idiot. Yeah. And if you think people Your future's are, fucked. Your future's fucked. You're just- yeah. You're doing yourself a disservice by not being online. Yeah. I started stand-up in 2013. Okay. Uh, and I started- I started because of the epilepsy, actually. I, I always wanted to be a comic, and then I thought- I, I gave a, I got a weird diagnosis from the doctor. He said I could be in a wheelchair. I thought, fuck this. I'm just going to go and try and do everything I could. Um, and I started doing stand-up a couple of weeks later, and- uh, and never looked back from there, but I was just doing open mics, driving to Sydney every couple of days, like two hours after work sort of thing to go and do five minutes for free and then drive home. And, <laughs> wow. and then I started opening for 
uh, Josh Wade and Frenchie a couple of times. And how, then, how long ago was this? This is three years ago. Okay. Started doing that. Yeah. And then I just kept going and just doing my own stuff and doing shows throughout Newcastle, Central Coast, Sydney, uh, and then with those guys. And I saw how they built their sort of career. I thought, why aren't I doing that? So I thought, well, it means to an end. And then it just started to become something I really enjoyed. Mm. And you were, you were doing this while you were working as a carer as well, weren't you? Yeah. yeah. So I was working, you know, 38 hours a week and doing two videos a week. All the way up to about a year ago. All the way up to four months ago. Oh, shit. Yeah. Wow. And that's when I retired. <laughs> and went full time. Mm. Now, you've quite you've covered quite a lot of topics. Um, we've covered one of them now, but I wanted... There's a whole bunch of others I yeah, want to cover. But, but I think more appropriately, I just want to get a sense of like your principles. Like, what is your general principle for comedy? What do you want to cover? What What's out of bounds? How do, how do you sort of... What's the the clothes horse that you pin these ideas on and how do you work it all out? For me to come up with a concept, I come up with the punchline and then I work backwards. Okay. So I think of a joke, I then text it to myself and then I go <laughs> okay. back and write about it later. Really? Yeah. You text it to yourself? Yeah. So if, I've, if I show you my phone, which I will do now, which uh, is very just fantastic for an audio medium, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I go to my phone and uh, if I can work out how to actually search... Um, right here let's just take for example I'll just swipe up I've got me written as the contact yep um, and I'll swipe up and uh, I won't <laughs> say that one that was horrible that was about autism <laughs> uh, all I've got here is uh, fingering on the dance floor narration by David Attenborough so that's like sort of an idea <laughs> my new housemate was rooting a kiwi she did a harker before they fucked that's like an idea uh, I hate funerals that's a great idea uh, girls looked at me like I look at a movie with Rebel Wilson with disgust. <laughs> Jesus. Watch out. There'll be a defamation suit. Yeah. Oh, sue me. I've got nothing. Um, vegans are the same people that correct your with an apostrophe R-E. Okay. Anyway, that type of stuff. So that's where all my jokes have come from is from that. And so you, you just think of the punchline and you work, away, work your way back and it's really just like most comedy. You're creating satire of what you see. Yeah. 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 And sometimes they just come to me like just weirdly, but it's hard to figure out what to talk about because you don't want to be too, you know, just talk about sex. You don't want to just talk about religion. You don't want to just, you know, you know, I like to cover a bit of everything in my show, but I think the, the framework that I put everything on is something that a guy called Al DeBene told me. And Al was like the number one comedian in LA for a couple of years. He's been on TV shows. He used to open for Dane Cook and Joe Rogan told him, that when he was you know coming up, he said, "Just do what you think's funny," and that's what I run off. I like that, and then your audience will find you. Yeah, and if they don't, then fuck them. Mm. You know, if you don't find what I say is funny, then that's fine. There's, there's lots of other people you can go and find funny, but there's some people that find me funny, so that's great. And this approach that you have would that differ for comedy bits that you're doing in stand-up versus videos? Yeah, um, videos. I sit down and write like. And that's something that I, I need to focus on coming up into the festival season next year is yeah. writing a new hour because I, at the moment, I write, you know, 20 minutes of video a week, but I need to also write 10 minutes of material a week mm. stand-up-wise. So that's where I need to sort of focus now. Well, I thought like, may, uh, I always sort of thought looking at the way that you guys work, but particularly how you work, because you're one of the only ones out of 
well, uh, there's friendly Geordies as well, but you, you sort of like, you put out these ideas into the ether on YouTube, you see that what the reactions are, and maybe from there you sort of collate and refine that into part of your actual act. Yeah. But then again, you you know, it's a tr- troubling one because, you know, people would see that and then they want to come, come and see your show, but if they've seen all the things on YouTube... Well, this is like, the thing with vegans and cyclists. Like, I've said everything <laughs> there is to say about vegans and cyclists. And then people come to my shows and they're like, oh, I thought you'd talk about vegans. But I was like, bitch, there's 20 hours of me talking about fucking cyclists on the internet. You really want to come and see me live and say, oh, vegetable people, how bad are they? Do like, you reckon with your audience, like, uh, people would rather see the stuff, the stuff they've seen in the past? Hope not. Or the uh, new stuff? The best compliment I get. And I get it a lot. No, the best compliment I get is people say, oh, your stand-up was so much better than your videos. I love hearing that. That's good. Uh, I hope it's not a, a dig at me, but <laughs> I love hearing that because that's what I want to be known for. I want to be known and I want to get out there through videos, which is what I do, but I want to be known as a comic. Hmm. And there's that part where I need to say to myself, no, no, you just, you know, you know, you need to do both. You need to do both really well. But I also want to be known as a comic because that's the art form. Mm. YouTube's not known as this art form yet. I think it will at one point. People with these big followings that are engaging well with their audiences will be the people that people go to mm. to not only sell advertising but to, to you know, to listen to, to to look up to, if you will, those put, type of Put things. across in a point of yeah. some kind. And my audience is weird because it's just this weird demographic. Because would you? What, what do you think my audience would be off the top of your head? I mean, I think initially your original audience would have been uh, blokes from Newcastle, but I think that over time, based on what you're doing, it would be a mishmash of it's everyone. So, it is such a mishmash. Yeah. Mishmash. Mishmash? Mate, at my shows, there's lucky to be two 18-year-olds. Yeah. Very lucky to be, isn't there? There's like very rarely there's any young people. Yeah. It's mainly uh, people mid-20s and older. A lot of couples come to my shows. I had a show in Newcastle where it was majority women. Really? Yeah. So you wouldn't pick that. But uh, to be honest, I would because I don't think your type of comedy would suit 18-year-olds. 18-year-olds are like uh, Josh Wade would love this as he's listening to it now, the Janaskian type yeah. Do you know the Janaskins? Yeah, I remember the Janoskins. He loves the Janoskins, Janaskins, whatever whatever they're called. That sort of funny ha-ha shit. Like yeah. sort of 18-year-old YouTubers like Jake Paul and David Dobrik. So I, I just think- um, The big ones. Yeah. <laughs> the it's ones just, with all the money. <laughs> it's just a bit smarter, you know? Like you're just going to get people who are more interested in something. But I couldn't do- yeah. I couldn't wake up every day. Or oh, maybe if I had heaps of millions of dollars. <laughs> I could definitely do it if I had millions of dollars. Um, what they do is 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 nuts and not sustainable. It's like jackass, yeah. but but for younger kids. Um, and that, like, it's like Jackson O'Doherty and that, that type of humour. Yeah. The guys who do all the pranks and stuff. And that's not me. Like, there's this one dude, he keeps calling me out. Um, he's a tall, some tall dude, does boxing stuff. Luke Irwin. Luke Irwin, 23, and he's called me out in a couple of videos. He wants to box me. Like, I'm not everyone f- wants to box everyone now. I'm not fucking boxing anyone. Fucking I might. If the career goes down the shit, or I might do it. Uh, but I'm not going to do it. Why would I do that? I don't want to box anyone. I can't, I've never been in a fight in my life. But your brain is your asset, you know? Yeah. Like, why would, any, why would you do that? I play, I've been dumb. knocked out enough. Right? Yeah. I've played footy for years. I'm not getting knocked out anymore. I, I used to go to the local boxing gym with my dad all the time. Did martial arts for like 10 years. Just that stuff is. I do jujitsu now. Do you? There's no BJJ. Yeah, yeah. There's no head knocks in that. Um, if you had to create a Franken comedian of your favorite comedians, yep. Who would who would they be? Okay. 
the Franken comedian would have the offensive style of Jim Jeffries. Mm, I know you're a big Jim Jeffries. Huh? I love Jim Jeffries. Um, one of the, I love how Jerry Seinfeld works. <laughs> I love how he is just so clever that he can find humor in just the most ridiculous places. <laughs> and I'm not clever enough to do that. Like in just the most, like he, he would be able to make a joke about your lounge. Yeah. You know, and I can't. I think that's very interesting. Um, I love how Joey Diaz, if you're familiar with him, how he how he projects his voice Uncle and the way Joey. He, how he screams yeah. and yells. Yeah. <laughs> you cocksuckers. Cocksucker. Um, <laughs> just the way he the way he tells stories yeah. is amazing. The way he holds an audience is yeah. amazing. He, he just he has this gravitas. He holds court. Yeah. That's something that I would love to be able to do, but I don't know if I Down have that. Philly at 77. Yeah. Like like you know, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you bring up one thing. He's like, "There's one day, cocksucker. I was sitting down in Philly, you know, sitting on the front of the porch step, and this cocksucker come over. He fucking said to me, I said, this Uncle Joey's gonna fuck you up.' You know, like stuff like that. And I, I just like he just goes on this mad tangent for thirty minutes. I wish that I could do that, and that's something that you know my Franken comic would have. Um, it's a really good question. I just I love offensive humor. Hmm. That's what I really really enjoy. But I also enjoy, you know, clean humour as well. Like, if it's a really good clean joke, then that's okay as well. I like Norm MacDonald. Okay. He's cool. Norm's pretty good. Um, what's the dude's name? George Cullen. See, I never, <laughs> I never, I've never sat down. I've listened to a lot of Carlin, but I've never, like, got in that mad sort of, like, mindset where Carlin's, like, my hero. Yeah, I, I really liked Carlin for a long time. Dave Chappelle is brilliant. He, he he really says it how it is. Dave's another one who I've never really sat down and watched. He, he there's two specials on Netflix that he's got. Um, they're pretty good to watch. The other stuff is just like the Chappelle Show was fucking brilliant. They did like an NBA draft, but they were drafting people based on their race or something. <laughs> like it's called the race draft. Like uh, and it's just so preposterous. And then there's another one where the family. Uh, it's too rude to say, but the N word is the n-word but it's it's spelt differently and it's it's got like an r at the end so the way it's said it's and it's like a white family and so this black guy which is him is calling him that and he's like hello and uh yeah it's that show was just just too good it's amazing you couldn't get away with that no way absolutely no but yeah there's a lot of brilliant comics there's a lot of brilliant comics i mean and that's what I would like to be. I would like to be known as a really great comic. And I'm not there at the moment. My hour now is good. I really enjoy the Bad Fear Health hour. Mm. But it's 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 jokes I've written over the last five years, and it's not me anymore. Yeah. You know. So I think next year is going to be completely different to this year's show. Mm. Don't get me wrong. This year's show, <laughs> fucking amazing. Oh, somebody stop me. Thirty-seven shows. Most of them sold out. Good on me. All right, we're going to jump into some short, fast questions for you. Uh, what is your morning ritual? Get up. Okay. <laughs> no, I get up. I take the dog for a walk in by the beach in Newcastle. It's beautiful. She does a huge Gerns. And, and uh, what was her social media page again? <laughs> At Lady Rose the Grey. She's a greyhound. Rescue greyhound. She's beautiful. Uh, greyhounds, whippets, great. My yep. parents just got a whippet. Beautiful. Um, do you have an evening ritual? How do you sort of decompress at night? Uh, I watch a bit of YouTube and go to bed. That's about it. I okay. relax, watch some uh, Netflix, um, get home, have dinner, and probably go to the gym in the afternoon, have dinner. Nice. Uh, best purchase under two hundred dollars. 
I'm wearing like $40 jeans at the moment that I've worn <laughs> so much. I bought them from like Cotton On, no sponsors. Um, and I, I reckon I've worn these this winter at least like 150 times. Okay. Very nice. Like just so – I get – actually, the AirPods are pretty good too. They're pretty good. I think they're They're just – Oh, just over they're, they're like out of 210 the bucks they're out of the bracket but they're um, they're fucking amazing I'll tell you the best purchase I ever made was my Canon camera how much uh $1700 okay uh, because it made me yeah. make videos because I felt bad for buying it <laughs> and then one thing led to another and here we are and here you are uh, if you had to gift a book to the audience this Christmas what would it be never read a book in my life okay Really? Yeah. I'm trying to read the Jordan Peterson's book at the moment. I'm not it's, going it's, for it. It's a tough one. It, like I read for an hour every night and it took me a good two to three weeks to get through that. Yeah. It's, I, it's I just very can't, meaty. I just can't read. I just, I don't know why, but I can't. I can listen to podcasts all day or audio books all day, but just can't, can't do it. Mm. Best podcast that you've recent, listened to recently? Like what are your go-to you podcasts? Know well, Joe Rogan's my number one. Yeah. I've listened to that almost every day for the since I was in year nine. <laughs> it's weird. Wow. It's so weird. And now I'm friends with some of his friends. Really? Which is even weirder. Really? To meet them, like people off the show and all that type of stuff. Fuck. And it's just like to, to talk to them in person and get to know them and be friends with them and their families. It's just like. That's awesome. Because so, that's my that's my world. That's the people I know. That's, the, that's when you ask me about comics and they're all comics that have been on that show or near that show sort of thing. And it's just like, <laughs> you know, to talk about that. Like that's. I think Rogan's had a bigger influence on my life than a lot of people in my life, right? Which is very strange. I think a lot of a lot of uh, guys would say that he's a fairly influential dude. Extremely influential. Um, what quote do you live your life by or think of often? I think I think that one. Just do whatever you think's funny. I think that's how because my life is trying to be funny, mm. and I think there's one that there's a great quote that was said by me. <laughs> um, if you if you can't find value in your life, add value to it. Mm. That's what I said in that mental health video. Interesting. Add value to it by doing things. The catacombs of your mind was one that, that I quite was, like. That was my fucking, that's the best thing I've ever <laughs> said. I said it in the car. I was talking to myself about it. And I was like, it's very easy to get lost in the very catacombs that are your mind. And I said that and I had an erection for about four hours. Like, that's the greatest thing anyone's ever said. Each week we uh, we do quotes that go out um, as part of like graphics that we promote each week as well. And I think uh, Lauren needs to use that one. Loz? <laughs> Get onto it. it. Not the not the, the erection bit. But the <laughs> catacombs of the mind. Catac- it's very easy to get lost in the very catacombs that are your mind. Now, with that, uh, where can people find you? You can find me on the internet. If you type in Isaac, it'll come up. Okay. <laughs> it does. It does. It does. It's weird. Or, actually, I found it. Some kid sent me a photo the other day. Uh, if you type in on YouTube, Aussie guy with nice beard, it'll come up too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Hey, thanks for having me on, man. This no, was really good fun. No it's worries. a shame that we drove half an hour in the wrong direction. Otherwise, uh, this podcast <laughs> would have been a lo- lot longer. But uh, I hope uh, if you enjoyed listening to me, then you uh, then you come and find me and come to my show. Definitely. I definitely recommend checking out your YouTube channel at the very least. So yeah, check it out. Thanks right. for coming on. No worries at all. Thank Cheers. you very much. Thank you for making it this far. Before you run off, we have a quick ask for you. Subscribe on your podcast app. Subscribing will give you priority access and help your fellow-minded listeners find Uncommon. Or you could also share with a friend. This will go a long way in building our audience, which will help us both get further guests on the show. Don't forget to like us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or YouTube by searching Neural, which is N-E-U-R-A-L-L-E. But until next time, thanks for listening. 
This podcast is brought to you by Neural Media. Neural Media is an effortless and affordable content production service. We help businesses save time and money by taking away the pain of producing content. If you want to grow your audience through content production, head to neural.com slash media. That's N-E-U-R-A-L-L-E dot com slash media. Create a quote and request a callback from me personally. If you want to learn more about the benefits of growing your audience, download our free series on how to create content at the bottom of neural.com slash media. Listeners to this podcast receive a special 10% discount by using the promo code UNCOMMON.